0: Brian, scott the irish are back
1: the irish it's blooming uh the green is i don't know (laughs) (laughs)
0: the gold is glistening
1: (laughs) the irish joe biden's in the white house that's right uh,
0: that's isn't trump irish or no he's german
1: i don't know who cares Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) but New York, New York's college football team is back hard as Syracuse and or Rutgers might try to convince us that they are New York's football team. Notre Dame is New York's football team, and they looked sharp on Saturday night.
1: They did. Big win. Biggest win in years. Um, Nice to see Brian Kelly get a big win uh, in his uh, Notre Dame era. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a garbage person. I mean, I I don't know. You know I'm like one of those New York Notre Dame fans, and it's like the only thing I'm I like is like the uniforms. I just something about the gold just glistens in my <laughs> <laughs> pupils. Um, so I've rooted for Notre Dame always, also because I didn't go to a cool college school like you did. Um, so I don't have a team. I I do respect that Brian Kelly is. Um, the kind of scumbag who can win at notre dame you know it takes a certain type of terrible person i think to to win there yeah um but it was a big win for them you know it's i feel like notre dame's been in this like 10 year of like um you know they were in Ohio State used to be in in that kind of thing where every time they actually played a really good team they'd get waxed. Yes. Um, I feel like and everybody was like, oh, they're phony baloney. I feel like Notre Dame's been in there for longer. Um,
0: yeah, it's so. definitely been more recent. Like especially too that national title game. The thing is though, I didn't. I was. Were you surprised when they got just pummeled by Alabama in that national title game?
1: No, like the Manti-Teo year.
0: Yeah, twenty thirteen. No. Yeah, I didn't either. think
1: that team was very, that team was terrible. Yeah, I was a little surprised the year that they got crushed in the in the semifinal, which was what two years ago or something where I think right. Clemson had hammered them. I thought they would. I thought they would show up there. Um, I was surprised they were so humiliated. Yeah, um, but definitely not that that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, but this was a really good game, and and they looked legit. That defense is tough. I mean, Travis Etienne is one of the best players in the country, and he held him to 28 yards. Like, that's crazy.
1: I feel like there's a matchup of two of my least favorite human beings of college coaches between Brian Kelly and Davos Winnie. No doubt about it. How many players do you think would have to die on the field before (laughs) those guys thought, like, you should call the game? You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like they – They both just look at that – those men, those young men behind them as just chattel, you know? Just
0: like – I mean, there has been a death on Brian Kelly's watch. Like somebody died within the program there.
1: Right, right. It was like at practice. Wasn't it like a camera guy or supposed to like – and he just like – it was like too windy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. It was a student manager that had to go up on one of these like lifts uh, that actually I've had to – like when I was coaching high school – you know new york city not necessarily being the hotbed that some of these midwestern or southern states are not every field is equipped with a nice press box that's high enough so i actually as a like as a coach was on one of those lifts that the student manager was on uh and it's even on a non windy day that you just not a super secure feeling up there and yeah Brian kelly sent this kid up there on that to film a practice on a super windy day the thing right. came down the kid died
1: right no, I mean, no consequence filming, to Brian for, Kelly right, either. Nothing, nothing happened to him. Yeah, it was just like,
0: well, look, he died. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> we needed somebody to film as a practice. We had to get it filmed. It's like, oh.
0: I'm not saying he should have gone to jail. Like, he didn't kill the guy per se, but I feel like. Right. It, it should... feels like a fireable offense to me. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's how the Catholics are, I guess. <laughs>
0: well, that's true. Not a great day for Catholics today, if you saw the right. news. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, Catholicism aside, right, I also don't like Dabo Sweeney, either.
1: Yeah, me neither. He just seems like such a phony.
0: Yeah, and I really, I did really want them to lose while Trevor Lawrence had to sit, just because I did feel like there needed to be some consequence to Dabo for, like, the let-them-play push that you know he was at the forefront of and definitely behind the scenes, you know, kind of feeding things to Trevor Lawrence to get that thing going. Like, I felt that it was sort of fitting that Lawrence gets COVID. Like, Clemson had to suffer for that.
1: Why was Lawrence at the game and on the field, though? I don't understand how that's okay.
0: Yeah, I read about it on Sunday, and it was something to do with, like, he cleared the protocols to be around them, but not enough to play, I guess, or something like that.
1: But it's like, what's the point? Like, wouldn't you just... Like, what is the use of him being there? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, just like he's got the he's <laughs> he's got the virus. The whole point is if you even if you don't have it, we should be distancing and wearing ma- You know, I know he had his mask on, but it was like he did a lot of yelling and screaming and like, what is the purpose of having somebody with the virus sitting on your sideline? I don't know. I found that really odd.
0: Let them play, Brian. Let them play. <laughs> right. Let them play. <laughs> And all those kids rush the field. Like somebody on the field has it. You guys are going towards it. Right,
1: right. It was yeah, it was not a great day for the coronavirus, but it was a good game. (laughs) Nonetheless, it was was an exciting exciting
0: contest
1: of sport.
0: It Um, was. Notre Dame too, they're like one of the few teams that fit into this category of like when they're good, their sport is interesting. And really almost all of sports is interesting. It's definitely them the Yankees, do the Cowboys, do they belong in that category?
1: I think so, yeah, Yeah. that's fair.
0: Yeah, and who's like, who in the NBA fits that bill?
1: Probably the Lakers.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just so rare that the Lakers aren't good, that it's like, I don't, you know.
1: Yeah, you don't know the NBA when they're not, but there was a few, you know, whatever, before LeBron got there, they had a little lean period there. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, you're right, it's fun to have Notre Dame um, back in the mix, and, and they have a good team. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What was your, um, you know, kind of big takeaway from, from that game?
0: Well, big takeaway was, I do think this Notre Dame team is legit. I think their defense is pretty awesome. Um, but I really, you know, it's weird and I I don't think you're going to agree with me here, but my big takeaway was God, Trevor Lawrence is good. Like I really, you know, because I did think that what that game was missing was, an actual big-time quarterback, and I could be proven wrong about this Clemson kid, this, uh, what is DJ Uigalele. Uigalele. Is that close enough? <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll award <laughs> it to you on points, but I, I have no idea how to pronounce that guy's name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, look, this kid, Uigalele, he was good, and he is good, but I just think that, watching him play and kind of having some sense of this Clemson team from having watched them play against Ohio State in the national semifinal last year, that, you know, there's so much talent on the field for Clemson. You know, look, I, I certainly couldn't go out there and play quarterback for Clemson and look good. But this kid is a good player, so he's able to play really well with that much talent around him. But I think the talent kind of elevated Uigalele whereas when Trevor Lawrence plays I feel like Trevor Lawrence elevates the Clemson Tigers so like it, you know I mean it, it look and you said it it's hard to argue he threw for 439 yards and two touchdowns and Clemson scored 40 points so it's hard it's a weird to come on then and make the case that like you know there was a better quarterback that could have been out there but you know and, and I think that Notre Dame, first of all, one of the reasons ATN only had 28 yards is because Notre Dame was really selling out to stop the run while they were keeping three deep to essentially try and, and keep everything in front of them in the passing game and then collapse on it. So I do think that that opens up big windows for, for this kid to throw into. Also, Clemson had, uh, what was it, they had 196 yards after the catch. So of that, you know, that's nearly half the yards the, kid's, the kid threw for that the receivers are running after the catch. Now, could it be that he's, you know, leading them into open space and they can catch it and run? That's possible. You know, like, I wasn't necessarily watching the game, you know, like that with a fine-tooth comb, especially I did. I watched Biden speak that night, and I kind of missed, like, a decent chunk of the middle of the game. But, you know, it's also not impossible for, uh, you know, like – a decent or even terrible quarterback to have a good game if he plays on a really good team. Like uh, the first time Alabama played Clemson in a national title game, their quarterback was Jake Coker, who threw for 335 yards and Alabama scored 45 points. So you know, what does Jake Coker do now? He like owns a Chevy dealership, probably in Alabama. <laughs> probably uh, a really successful one. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see Uigalele run a whole lot and you know, he's big, he's six foot four and we've seen other true freshman quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence or like Jameis when he was a freshman come out and they're just stronger than this kid was. So it's not to say that, you know, he can't get better or that he won't get better or, you know, whatever the case may be, but I just, are you hearing that weird noise?
1: Yeah. Sorry. I, uh, I lost you for a second there. Um, but uh, you're good now. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was just thinking that. Uh, I, I, look, I don't know how good he's gonna be. I don't know how bad he's gonna be. And and there are plenty of guys who look really good in college that, you know, maybe aren't as good as we think they're like. Jalen Hurts is really good. He was really good at Alabama. He was really good at Oklahoma. And now he's on a terrible Eagles team, where he's, you know, I don't know. Is he their backup quarterback? I have no idea. So it's hard. It's a hard case to make. And I'm even kind of stumbling over myself. But I think my point is is that I don't know that Uigalele, he's probably going to be really good. And he's probably always going to put up gaudy stats. But I just think Trevor Lawrence is an entirely different human being.
1: I mean, I guess I don't disagree. I I think Trevor Lawrence is special. But I I do feel like I I don't know that that game like I think it's that I'm surprised that game makes you feel that way. Like, And I do feel like one thing that's happening in college football is it's getting really hard to evaluate the quarterbacks because they all put up such good numbers. Like you had this guy I've never heard of, who's a true freshman who threw for over 400 yards and put up 40 points and he played great against BC and um, you know, all the quarterbacks like seemingly put up these gaudy stats. I just think it's getting really difficult to evaluate who is the good college quarterbacks and who's not like ohio state has had a bunch of them um bunch of guys now put up tons of points and stats and look great and then you get to the nfl and it's like a you know it's it's all kind of a crapshoot. um and just the way they play in college like oklahoma is a perfect example like baker mayfield i thought would be an awesome pro he's looking you know kind of shaky jalen hurts the jury's still out although i never thought he was going to be a great pro just watching him in college. And he, I, he, maybe he will be, maybe I'm wrong. Like, you know, I, I think he's stuck behind Wentz and he'll probably get a chance at some point. Um, but to me, like Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence does stand above everybody just like physically he looks so gifted and passes the eye test. And, and I, just, I don't, I'm not like, Oh, this, the fact that this guy's come in and like not missed a beat for Clemson. Like, yeah, they're a super talented team. I'm not, it doesn't make me like think less of Trevor Lawrence, but I do feel like it's getting really difficult to evaluate who the good quarterbacks are in college.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's just, honestly, that's just the way kind of the offenses are designed. College secondaries aren't as good. It's really difficult. Like, even Saban has said it a lot, and he's probably the best defensive coach in all of college football, that the pace just makes it impossible to stop teams from scoring. Like, you can contain them. They're always going to put up points. You know, I just think... it's a good point that you make there that why a game like this makes me think that about this kid and Trevor Lawrence. But I do think it's because, you know, I do still have some scars from that Ohio state Clemson game last year and Ohio state. We look, we had a loaded defense last year. We had chase young, Jeffrey Okuda, like it was an incredible defense and we beat the piss out of Trevor Lawrence for a good portion of that game. And at the end of the game, when it was tight and Clemson was down, he, threw him on their back, and he did everything. He ran the ball. He threw the ball. He just became Superman, and he won the game for them. And I do think that's kind of what Clemson needed. You know, like Notre Dame's defense was legit. They were pounding this kid at the end, and they needed him to put him on their back to win the game, and he didn't do it. And it's a tough game. It's a good team. It's a road game. A lot of stuff happening with Clemson. And, yeah, that's an incredibly high bar. I'm not being fair. Well, I mean, to him.
1: they scored 40 points. Like, what else could they do? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Trevor Lawrence scores 50, and then that's—I don't know. just like the, yeah. it seems weird to me that he would even. I maybe would. Maybe he would have played worse. Like, you couldn't. How can you play better than that guy played? Like, I let had me and something yards and two. And I think he had four total touchdowns, didn't he? Like, what could he? What yeah. could he have done?
0: Let me. Let me be clear. <laughs> I'm not saying the kid's not good. I'm not saying that he's not going to be a, a, a tremendous steward for the Clemson program. But, you know, idea. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence finds a way to win that game. I'm not – I have no proof of that. I have no evidence. I can't prove it in any way, shape, or form. But that was my takeaway was like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence wins that game. And maybe even prevents it right. from going to overtime
1: i mean i think look i mean i'm not gonna argue that like trevor lawrence is good or not like i certainly think he's like i i do think he's the most can't miss qb prospect you know probably i've seen since like peyton manning um so i do think he's gonna be awesome but i do think it is becoming really difficult to figure out who's good in college like everybody kills everyone because a lot of teams pass on pat mahomes but like Patrick Mahomes played at Texas Tech and every freaking quarterback ever at Texas Tech throws for like 600,000 yards and like 50 scores. And, you know, it's just getting more and more difficult every year, I think, to figure out who's good, you know? And like, um, you'd think we'd get be getting better and better at it, but I think it's going the opposite way because, you know, because of the way offense is played now because, you know, like for instance, I, I think, we're gonna get into this when we start talking about the giants like justin fields who i know you like and i get and i don't blame you he's a high estate quarterback and he's been amazing this year but when i watch justin fields i do feel like he makes 15 throws a game to somebody who is wide open like just yeah. completely wide open yes and like when i watch his highlight reels on like youtube it's like a lot of just like yeah that was a nice post throw but the guy was literally like no one within a country mile of him, (laughs) and you know what i mean so i'm like i don't know what to make of that like and then you mean he's super athletic but um you don't really see him do the kind of stuff that you're gonna have to do to actually be good in the nfl all that often it doesn't mean he can't do it it just makes it like it's difficult to to be like so confident that he can
0: uh, you're 100% right. And, and both of us really liked uh, Ryan Rossillo did some video. I don't know. I have no sense of time anymore in the, in the world of COVID. It could have been last. It could have been this draft. It could have been the draft before. I don't know. <laughs> but he did this whole breakdown about how just how impossible it is to predict QBs success in the draft. And, and that's not even just a recent thing. That's like kind of always been the case. So uh of course i will i will remember and lean into your argument if it turns out that i'm embarrassingly wrong about dj ugulele and he is like even better than lawrence and here i am on record saying, Maybe he's
1: better he's a true right. freshman like he's, he coming in, he's been unbelievable but i mean it is weird that they like they almost lost to bc and then they did lose to notre dame um which is funny when you know it's like. Trevor Lawrence's first game's missing. But it's like the guy whose numbers are, couldn't have been better in those games. Um, so it's hard to sort of point the finger at him. Like, maybe when this season's over, maybe we're saying, you know, Clemson wasn't quite as good. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just um, – it, it's hard to, for me to, to point the quarterback position in a game you score 40 points. Um,
0: yeah, and I'm not blaming guy- him. I'm just saying my feeling as I watched that game was – this feels like a heavyweight fight. I'm so happy this game is on. I'm so happy I'm watching this game. I just wish that at least one, if not both, teams had heavyweight quarterbacks going. And I didn't feel like that was the case. You know? Yeah. That was just that. That was my feeling about the game. I could again. I could be wrong, and I I will remind you of how hard you're <laughs> saying it is to evaluate quarterbacks. <laughs> if and when I turn out to be wrong about this kid. Uh, no, I
1: mean, I th- I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is legitimate. I mean, I, I really, I wouldn't pass on him under any circumstances, you know, <laughs> for any reason, but I do think it's harder to find, it's harder to tell between the other guys, you know, like, like the difference between a Justin Fields and even an Ian book, who's Notre Dame's quarterback, who I, you know, I would never draft in a million years, but he puts up good stats and he's a good player. Um, And I do think he's a college player, but, you know, it's hard to sort of how much different is he than these other guys. And, and, um, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult, I think, to figure it out.
0: Don't sleep on Justin Fields, Brian. That's all, (laughs) that's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Uh, let's get to a quick ad read here. Uh, you're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support is what keeps us going. right Brian let's talk about the Giants we've dispensed with the gallantry let's get into the nitty-gritty uh they (laughs) they they won a game they did
1: they won their second game
0: yeah so that's two wins not a loss (laughs) (laughs) right it's not a loss or is it (laughs) right 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 (laughs) or was it it? it's not a loss that we're positive is a loss yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know what were your thoughts
1: you know, I, I honestly, I didn't take any I didn't take too much out of it. I, I guess I was happy that they coming off the Bucks debacle where you felt like it that was a real opportunity. They let slip away. They at least came back and won the game. Um, Danny Jones wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. Um, he didn't turn it over, but he didn't he didn't you know silence his critics or anything like
0: that i also i just want to say you know from from doing my giants reading in the last two days can we please stop acting like daniel jones not turning the ball over is an accomplishment of some sort like it's not an accomplishment <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> for daniel jones it is he's turned it over and well, it was every game—oh, you know, every game but two of his career. Yeah, so that this one. is a,
0: this is one that he didn't.
1: So it's it's notable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's notable. It's notable. It's not like a thing he did. Like, oh, thank goodness. I guess I think that's a decent defense.
1: I think their front is pretty good, and. You know, I guess... Look, if you're clinging to hope that this Giants... Like, if you're... The Giants are obviously trying to sell us something here on this progression that they're making. And I think if you... They didn't... um, You know, they didn't... They didn't put all... They didn't put it to rest. Like, they didn't answer the questions. But it was the bare minimum that had to... Like, they had to win that game. He had to play decently. And they did. You know? So, like we're gonna find out like there's still good opponents left on their schedule we're gonna find out about the giants whether anything is whether they're building anything at all or it's all a bunch of nothing but that had to happen in order for that to even be possible you know what i mean
0: right it's just that do we want it to be possible like that's the real question do we want it to be possible
1: i mean yeah like i do i mean wouldn't it be nice if daniel jones had a nice second half and the defense is starting to look good and joe judge seems like he's a good coach and you end the season and they've played pretty well the second half of the year and then you go into a good off season, and they have a good off season, and then they're good next year isn't that like ultimately the best case scenario wouldn't that be the best thing that could happen
0: Yes, that would that would be the best case scenario. That would be the best thing that can happen. I I yeah I agree with you there. But like, I mean, does yesterday's performance give you any confidence that that's a trap? Like, I guess, look, you never. I'm never rooting for the Giants to lose, and I know tanking is virtually impossible in the NFL. But with that said, it just. Wins like Sunday drive me crazy because they just feel so wasteful. Like, almost what is the point? Both Washington wins this year really are just feel like a waste almost to a certain degree. Like, I guess that what they do accomplish that's positive is they kind of fortify Judge, who I think is good, and they fortify Patrick Graham, who I think is really good. Uh,. But, you know, like, Jones kind of had to play well. Like, he just was terrible against Tampa, who was then – they were terrible this week. And, you know, it's like we're jumping up and down for 212 yards passing and no turnovers this week. And I just – I'm not sure what it's accomplishing. Like, if I think if, if Jones played really well and then you have confidence, like, okay, he is good. He's going to be good. We're going to be really good with him. If that was the takeaway from the game, I would feel differently. But watching him play the way he did where it was just like again, it's like a piece of toast with maybe a little square of butter, like a one little square <laughs> of butter on my toast. Like that that was his performance and it's frustrating because if that's how he's going to play, then we're almost certainly on track to get a top draft pick again this year. And then when you look at it where the last 3 years so three years ago, there's really no marquee quarterback that's gonna turn your franchise around, and we have the second pick and we take Saquon. And then the year after, we have the sixth pick, and there's one kind of marquee guy, and that's Kyler Murray, but we don't have the first draft pick, so we draft Jones with the sixth pick. And then this year, we take Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick, and we miss out on Tua and you know, maybe Justin Herbert, and we'd never had a shot to get uh Burrow at number one overall. It just it's like Here we are again, where we're going to have a pick somewhere in the top 10, you know, probably closer to one than to 10. But we may end up good enough that we don't get to have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. And we're not going to move on from Jones. So who are we going to pick? I'm just tired of always having these really high draft picks that are either just a little too uh, low to get one of the marquee quarterbacks so we're, like, not bad enough for that, but we're also so bad that we're picking there, and the seasons are just a wasteful, long, slow death every year. Like, that's the cycle I want to get out of, and I'm not sure what I saw from Jones on Sunday it gives me confidence that we'll get out of that cycle.
1: Yeah, but I mean, all of that's, like, luck. You I mean, you know, like, you're only saying there's no marquee quarterback in hindsight like that when they did take Saquon Barkley every Sam Darnold was absolutely a marquee quarterback people loved him people still really love him you know a lot of scouts think he's the Jets have just kind of ruined him um you know Josh Allen was in that draft he, he looks pretty good he was a really controversial yeah you know whether people a lot of people didn't think he should even be a first-round pick you know but turn you know he's and he's weird. He was bad. I mean, it's so weird to me, a guy who's like not successful in college, who's then more successful in the pros. Um, but he, he certainly looks like that's the case. Um, you know, and look, it also goes in waves, right? Carson Wentz was a, was a God until now he stinks. Everybody hates him. You know I mean? People are raving about Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert, one has not won any games and has only played a couple, Tua has played one game, you know? I mean, J- Daniel Jones' first start against the Bucks was as good as you can have. You can't have a better first start than that. Um, so it's not, you know, I, I don't know. Like, you know, again, that's why for me, the only guy in this draft where I'm like, the only one, like, if, I, I don't, there's too many competitors for this Trevor Lawrence thing that I'm going to be like, every time we win, sad that that we're not in line for this guy anymore because it's just like the jets have the inside track you got the jags like it, you know it's, it's it's hard to get the number one pick as it is almost to win the super bowl you know i mean you, you got it's still one in a 32 chance like you got to be the worst team in the league at the right time it's not the easiest thing to do either um and i still like like i thought jones played i, I agree with, i know what you're saying like there's definitely like the people who want to feel good about the Giants because people want to feel good about their lives and things that are <laughs> happening in them. And so they're definitely trying to turn what was like a, a an ordinary performance into something like that. Maybe it wasn't, but I thought he played pretty well. I thought that was a good defense. I thought that the Giants offensive line, I was really impressed by that, that they played as well as they did. And yes, Andrew Thomas, after kind of his like worst game as a pro seems like he's turned it around a little bit, um, which is encouraging to me. So, and I, you know, I also, we talked a lot about Gettleman and I know I kind of trolled you a little bit thinking that Gettleman is going to stick around. I'm kind of, I'm kind of wa- I'm kind of wavering on that. I, I sort of do think Gettleman is probably going to go just the more that I hear about it. And I, and I do, I also think there's a good chance that the Giants, that he retires and, and it's a face saving retirement where yeah. let's say the Giants play um, decently down the stretch, and Gettleman retires and takes some bows for for giving us you know there's this narrative of like hey he found Judge he found Jones yeah. we're on this uptick the defense is playing and he goes off and they and they they wish him well and and I get the I'm just the more I'm reading I do get the feeling the Giants want to get somebody younger in the job um, somebody who can they can turn this project over to who will be here for a while who can partner with Judge so I, so I'm I'm less afraid now that like we win a couple of games that means we keep Gettleman my I I do think he's out and I so I then I'm like I think Jones I do still think that we could win with him um and so I'm okay with him um but I get it I mean I totally get what you're saying you know you don't want to get stuck with this guy who's like ultimately not good enough um and, you know, it's, it's, it gets quick, you know, it gets late fast with quarterbacks, like all of a sudden, you know, because once you have to pay them, you have to pay them a gazillion dollars. Yeah. And, you know, dude, like, I'm like, I'm like telling you, I like Jones, but if, it, if you were like, if we had to re-sign him like tomorrow and pay him like Dak Prescott money, you know, I'd be like, Oh God, you know what I mean? I would be oh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. Right. No way. Um, and, you know, like you found the Rams kind of got into that position with Jared Goff Um but, you know, then again, they're, you know, I'd certainly trade places with them. So, I don't know. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. Um,
0: you successfully talked me off a ledge, I think. Yeah. I, I think you made enough good points there. I think you're right. You know, it's still super early on Herbert. It's, you know, even earlier on Tua. Um, and I think – you're also very right about a lot of it being luck because look, even the Dolphins got lucky because they won a bunch of games when everyone thought they should be tanking and then they lucked into Tua because a guy broke his hip. So Right, right. <laughs> you know, like that even that was like a huge stroke of luck for them despite them not tanking. So, you know, I do think you're right about that. I guess like again, I'm I'm mostly just frustrated that It's like we're running in place. Like, we keep drafting these good or supposedly good players, Saquon, Thomas, Daniel Jones, and yet we're always picking somewhere in that 2-6 to range, and it's just like the worst range to be in, and it drives me crazy. But if you're telling me that, like, I just can't come back next year and have Garrett Gettleman and jones in my life i can't have all three right of my life. right i can right. All, somebody's I, gotta go somebody <laughs> I mean, ideally it's only one of the three stays yeah i yeah. can maybe live with two of the three i just right. i won't be able to mentally process having all three of those men still in my life this time next year right that's can't, fair can't do it
1: i think it's fair
0: okay so as long as we're good with that as long as one of those guys is departing fine i'll take it Uh, Danny Dimes. I do want to say, though, (laughs) Danny Dimes fumbled twice on Sunday. He did, he did. No turnovers. He fumbled twice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. One, he was going out of bounds. Those don't count.
0: (laughs) One, he just (laughs) just, dropped. One of the funniest
1: things about Daniel Jones is how, like, how, and I think it speaks to his whole everything as a player is, like, he's so close to also being, like, a handsome guy. But he isn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I his face, it. if you look at it, like, it's like, you're like, it's a great looking guy. Except, Matt, there's something sort of off about it. <laughs> like, and I think that's, like, his everything. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, really good, this guy. Except, like... Eh what was that you know it's like, <laughs> and there's something about his face that like is that way also where it's like this young strapping lad except there's like something sort of misaligned with his no i don't know what i can't even i couldn't say exactly what it is but there's something that makes him not like you know a truly great looking guy <laughs> and it's like it's, it's reflective of who he is as a player.
0: <laughs> i really like the amount of thought you've put into i was thinking about it last
1: night i was literally watching i was watching like his press conference i was like there's just something it's like this should be a really handsome man but something
0: off <laughs> he just needs the right angles on his tinder profile yeah, it's yeah. like right right right
1: <laughs> he's got kind of a goofy face
0: so leonard williams got some sacks or got a sack. He has sacks this Leonard
1: year. Leonard Williams is good, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He is good. But that's what Like, what, what are we going to do
1: about Leonard Williams?
0: Well, Leonard will exactly. Leonard Williams getting sacks is kind of like the Giants winning games. Like, I know I <laughs> should be happy when it happens, but all I can think of – all I can think of when Leonard Williams gets a sack is, well, now we got to pay this guy. And we right. also got to pay Dalvin Tomlinson, and we also need an edge rusher, a wide receiver. Like – probably an offensive lineman. So it's just like, we're like just jacking the price up. Every time this guy gets a sack, I sort of wish he was still, I still had to read on Twitter about his pressure rate and how awesome that right. is.
1: I think we're going to have to keep him. I think he's good.
0: So then in that case, how do you rank like in terms of need and we'll just say, name the two interior defensive linemen. But so we definitely need a pass rush, like an edge rusher on our team. Yeah, We we need a second corner. We need a wide receiver. And we need to re-sign Leonard Williams and or Dalvin Tomlinson. And we just neglected to trade Dalvin Tomlinson. So, you know, we probably intend to keep the guy. So of those five things, like, what's the order of the priority, you think?
1: Well, I would say we... I don't know. It's funny because like you always want the meat of the team. Like I feel like edge rusher is probably first, right? We we desperately need like a real pass rusher. Uh, like Tomlinson, like the smart football guys seem to really like him. Um, but I do think Leonard Williams because he's versatility because he also is a bit of a pass rusher and is, you know, pretty stout in the middle there. And you already have Dexter Lawrence. So like I could see I would prioritize Williams probably at this point um you definitely like to keep them both um i could see receiver being like what we do in the draft you know trying to trying to really get somebody yeah uh, um or edge rusher right i guess that would probably be where you where you'd look that's usually where you top of the draft is where you hit there too so so both of those positions um I guess that's how I would do it. I don't know. Corner too. We definitely need some corners.
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. That's why it's like so concerning that we have two guys that basically the same position that we're going to have to pay yeah. this offseason. And that's what's like so concerning about it. And it's like, again, it's just like, it's a weird feeling. Every time Leonard Williams gets a sack, I'm like, oh no, that like, just or- like screws us up in the off season. And it's a stupid way to think. And it's an annoying way to have to like watch football, but I mean,
1: you make it sound like we have all these problems, Scott. We beat Washington, okay?
0: <laughs> twenty three to
1: twenty, right? We beat him twice now, okay? By a total of four <laughs> points. <laughs> we made Alex Smith look bad out there. I actually made him look great for a yeah, long right? time. He looked pretty good. Then he's- we, then we and he's a very savvy veteran. And we picked him off. I mean, jeez yeah let's think about what we do have about that let's
0: (laughs) i mean that was the other thing too daniel jones could have played the exact same game that he played but he just needed to get one first down to ice the game like couldn't he have just done that you know yeah thank goodness for those picks that we got on alex smith at the end of the game
1: yeah well he did though quite famously hold on to the ball when he got brutally sacked on the key third down
0: (laughs) yes i know he didn't turn the ball over
1: non-fumbles the second most famous non-fumble in giants history was that first of course being jeff hostetler in the super bowl and now we have daniel jones against washington in week nine (laughs) yeah right (laughs) secure the second win of the year
0: (laughs) oh my goodness Brian, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener supported radio. All right, do we have anything else on the on the on that on the Giants big win? No, I
1: think we know where we are. I'll just I'll finish I just think that the one positive is we still have enough we have these pretty good opponents where I think we won't have to chew over these kind of worthless games and we can we'll get some look, you know, like if they get their butts kicked by the Ravens, you know, I won't be telling you.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, this is arguably a huge game coming up against Philly.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's another one where I think, you know, let's see what they got. You know, let's see. It would be nice for Daniel Jones to play well. We, we, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to learn what we need to know about him Yeah. over the next seven weeks here.
0: Yeah. Well, definitely a lot to uh, look forward to uh, for this Sunday. Uh, so uh, today we did a little bit of a social media blitz on your Steve Cohen take from last year. What did you think of his press conference today?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was so funny because, like, the part and I'm going to talk – I'm going to basically break down the take the same way that I did the last one where it's, like, the two pieces of it. There's the part where it's, like, you wanted to puke because the guy, when he's talking about how he built his hedge fund business, you know, and the types of people that he hired and how – you know, at no point did he mention aggressive insider trading. Um, But (laughs) – but the fan part of me was like, "Oh my God, this is like paradise!" You know, the guy sounded <laughs> unbelievable. Like <laughs> everything he wants to do, build the worst world-class organization. Like, um, you know, we're gonna spend money. I do think he's gonna hire the, you know, best. He's gonna have. We're gonna suddenly be best in class analytics department. All the stuff that Will Huns didn't do. You know, like he's gonna spend. He's gonna be smart. But he's not even gonna, not dumb signings. You know, smart money. Um, I think the team's gonna be well-run. Like. So I mean that that part of me is like hearing everything I've ever wanted to hear from a Mets owner, but then the other party is just like this guy is the biggest phony bastard that ever <laughs> lived, and it's just unbelievable. But so I totally get. I mean, I think if you're a Mets fan, like there's not much else to do but throw a parade and just, um, you know, be excited. But it's just it's also makes you just want to throw up sometimes. Like it's just. Uh, you know the lack of any accountability and to have get him to be able to kind of talk about his business that way is like hard it's hard to stomach
0: well if he's going to run the mets like he runs his hedge fund the mets will probably be incredibly successful and steve cohen will have absolutely no idea how they did it because he just right. he won't know anything <laughs> right. his people work from are doing right. you know? right.
1: Right. yeah but you know i mean look it's definitely the, definitely a new era and long overdue and so i i you know it's going to be exciting um, so, I get why it was just a happy day. And nobody wants to point out the stuff that, that you know, I was pointing out. <laughs> but it's also, it, it's, uh, you know, it is there. He was, he uh, is who he is.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, if you would like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, Brian, then please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone or Android. They're available in the App Store for iPhone or Google Play for Android. So as Steve Cohen builds out a, uh, an analytics team for the Mets, uh, let's use that as a point to pivot towards your favorite Twitter analytics man, Nate Silver. <laughs> We're going to veer a little off of sports for a little bit, but, uh, there's a couple things going on in the world that have, they are a bit of tension grabbing and Brian and I, as citizens <laughs> of the world, we, we have right. thoughts, feelings, yeah. and opinions.
1: Yeah. Right. And Nate, you know, he started off as a baseball guy. Um, I guess first I'll say, you know, congratulations to you. I feel like nobody called the election better than, than what you did. <laughs> um, Donald Trump has followed to a T you, what you suggested he might do, which was declare victory no matter what, that the Democrats would not be all that aggressive in countering and that Republicans would get in line. And here we are on the eve of, you know, what God only knows what's uh you know isn't the most annoying thing to the kind of savvy people who ins- keep insisting that like the rest of us are being hysterics because he can't possibly succeed in what he's doing it's like you may be right but excuse me for being alarmed you know like cuz if you're wrong god help us
0: right and also you don't they don't know anything like they're just saying that because they want to or like i feel like if you're on if you're a republican you're saying that's not going to happen Because you don't care if it does. Like if it does, then you'll be like, oh, well, oh, well, you know, we we got what we wanted anyway. And if you're a Democrat, you're saying it's not going to happen because that's somehow what you're – it's like in your DNA to just do that and not have to face the harsh realities of the world we actually live in. And you say it's not going to happen and then it does. And then you're Chuck Schumer releasing a strongly worded statement about how this is (laughs) – improper and then do nothing else to do anything about it
1: yeah no and it's just somehow it makes you like savvy and above it all that you're not concerned and like look i mean if i think i had to make a wager i would bet that joe biden is the president come january 20th or whatever it is but i mean there's a lot of possible options on the table here that have been opened up you know like you know perhaps we're uh we're in the um militia the union militia come january 20th like who knows where this is headed and they're playing with fire that they they you know in a way that is so grossly irresponsible like excuse me for being concerned about it and a little bit
0: worried i mean is it on the table that some of course it's on the table like there will some trump sycophant is going to come out with some evidence like just how this computer shop owner happened to find hunter biden's laptop and somehow miraculously got it to rudy Giul- like if i gave you hunter biden's laptop and you didn't and and you were a republican <laughs> which how would you even know how to get it to rudy giuliani <laughs> like like if i if i spotted it yeah yeah
1: and you wanted to give it to giuliani like, right. Well, apparently you could just text him because he'll answer almost absolutely <laughs> anybody. I'd be like, Rudy, I got Hunter's laptop. And he'd be like, I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or like DM Trump Jr. on Twitter. Like, I don't, it, it's just, I feel like right. they are going to find something. Like, I just don't have a lot of confidence in anything that's going to happen because I did. I knew this was going to happen. I knew this is how yeah. everybody was going to play it. And everybody's continuing to play it this way. And... What are we doing? Like, yeah, is a? Re- I don't know. Is anyone in the Republican party gonna step up and be like, "Guys, guys,
1: it's, it's there's nothing. there's no he there's no there there. There's just nothing. you've got nothing. Like what are you talking about? Um, You don't get to just blow it all up for
0: God's sakes. right. He got more votes. And right. I mean and it's also too. How is Trump going to – how how did anyone not expect this to – like, Trump claimed election fraud after the election he won.
1: Right, right, like, right. It made people waste a bunch of time, like, investigating it, and they quietly came up with nothing and then just dropped it and never mentioned it again.
0: Right. I uh, mean, of course he's yeah. going to claim election fraud when he loses. How do you not see this coming? I, how do you not have a plan right, in place? Like,
1: right. How are we not prepared for it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, too, the, this election ultimately wasn't as close as it seemed. Look, I went to bed Tuesday night just to, just despondent. You know, it looked like yeah, same. we had lost again. It was like the same sinking feeling. And then woke up Wednesday morning and suddenly and everything had changed. It was like, oh, my God. Um, you know, everything had tightened up. And so now it looks like actually it wasn't even all that close. You know, Pennsylvania, like he pulled way ahead. Michigan, you know, comfortable win. Nevada has now become a comfortable win. Georgia, even you know, is close, but it's it's not as razor thin as it looked a couple days ago. Um, and you know, so yeah, we started with this with Nate Silver, like, and everybody was kind of piling on him when it looked like suddenly we were going to lose because it's like, you said it was ninety percent, like that's a lock, you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> and my, I like, I do think like a lot of people. One thing people get angry about Nate Silver is the world is uncertain. And he promises a certain level of certainty that no one could possibly deliver. And he—he's really not. He's ten percent chance is actually still a pretty sizable chance, you know, <laughs> uh, that something can happen. And so, but then you just like you said, it was gonna be this, and you know, it's like this reaction to that. Um, but I do think that's like that's the problem with sort of putting a big number, like a number on it. You're like ninety percent, you know, this probability. Like it's just like the world doesn't work like that um and then once the election's actually over you have no we have no way of like there was no way for him to be right or wrong you know like what would the only the only result that would have proved him wrong is a trump blowout you know otherwise he has some there's some like well i i are you know this you know he's accounts it for every possibility in his model and that's sort of the point um So, I don't know. I just hate the, like, number on it. I think those guys – like, I don't hate the Nates in general, the Nate Cohn, Nate Silver, all those guys. I think they – especially once the votes start getting counted, I think they're, they're like – I do think the models are a little bit worthless. But, um, you know, I don't think he was, like, proven wrong necessarily, but I don't – you know, there's no really wrong or right is sort of the thing.
0: Well, right. So then I guess that gets to it is, like, do you just think – how would you – have them kind of do their job differently, or do you just think that their job, as it is, should not exist?
1: I just don't put that much. Like I, I'll say that I think the way the New York Times approached it this year, I really liked where they didn't put like a forecast with a percent chance probability. They just like analyze the polls and kind of let you know like how what it's looking like. Like I think the the pro argument. I think what Nate the argument Nate Silver would make is like 2012. The polls were super close. People forget how close it was between Romney and Obama in the polls. It was like, I think that the average, the polling average was like 0.5 nationally. So the coverage was like, this is the most, this is a super neck and neck race. But the, but the state polls had always looked pretty strong for Obama, especially in the like electoral college states. So so Nate Silver's model, he was like 95, five, like it was like 90-10. I can't remember exactly where he had it, but he was like pretty confident Obama was going to win. So people were all up in arms like, what, what are you talking about? This is a toss up. And he's like, no. And then Obama ended up winning pretty comfortably. So you say, well, OK, we, that, that actually showed us something, right? It seemed like a really 50-50 race, but maybe he's right. It wasn't. So then 2016, you know, it looks like Hillary is going to win. The conventional wisdom is she's going to win really easily. And his model actually was like 70-30. He gave Trump a pretty decent chance to win and win. Um, so you can say again, like, oh, that actually, you know, he was right about that. Like he gave Trump more of a chance than everybody else. Like that informed us in some way. Um, and then this time he even acknowledged that this time his model, like, didn't tell you all that much that you couldn't glean from just kind of looking at the polls. Like Biden was winning, but Trump has a chance to win. But I don't know. It just feels like it's only after the result that you can then go back and look at that, right? (laughs) Like, Like, for instance, when Obama won in 2012, how do we know it wasn't 60-40? And Obama happened, that result landed in that, you know what I mean? Like, it's only ipso facto you go back. So to me, it's like, I think there is value in analyzing the polls and telling you, like, what it tends to mean and what it portends and making analysis based on the polls, where I just sort of part ways is this, like, you know, one, I do think, it, I don't think it's people's fault that they have trouble understanding those probabilities, you know, and like, at the end of the day, this, his model this year, like told you nothing, you know, like, if a bot, like, yeah, I know Biden could win or Trump could win like that, you know, I mean, what does that really tell me that Peggy Noonan looking at the yard signs doesn't really tell me, you know, like, so I think his analysis is invaluable, but I, I do think those percentages are one are kind of, are at best worthless and at worst potentially harmful because they can then affect people vote because based on, you know, people say, well, Hey, look, Biden's got it in the bag. I don't have to vote or, you know, and we don't know the extent of that, but it's, it's like you, you start to be, have an actual impact in the thing you're, you know, supposedly just reporting on.
0: So if you were going to convene a meeting of the Nates, Cohen, Silver, maybe even your son, what, what, you would, <laughs> what you would advise them is don't Twitterize your information. Don't like put it into one simple number for us. Just report us the information and let us draw our conclusions.
1: Yeah, let the data drive your analysis. But I think these, faux, these fake prognostications create this um, phony um, appearance of certainty that doesn't exist. And, you know, I mean, look, I'll acknowledge that some of it is you're like, you're just like looking at this and he's the most annoying guy. Yeah. Well, that's part of it, too. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you're just like, there's this part of you that's
0: like, so is he going to win or not? You know? Right. <laughs> Who's going to win? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> but that's what I think is driving that number because they're getting that. And they're like, I, he's got like a 60% chance of winning. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think so, but I don't know. But, but
1: that's like, it's like all couched and you know, hedged. And it's just like, you don't know anything. <laughs> I definitely think there's an element of that where it's just people being frustrated. Like, it's just this whole process is torturous. You're like, yeah, what the hell with you. You don't know anything. <laughs> but I just, it, I just think this fake level of like, that's it. It's 85, 15, you know, it's like, just shut up. You don't know.
0: One of them might win or the other one might win. You don't know. <laughs> So assuming we still live in a democracy where voting in an election matters. Where do we go from here? What's the path, what's the path forward? Or how how are the democrats going to get out of the, themselves out of this coup uh or whatever. What's next? I have no idea.
1: I have no idea. What's going to happen, Scott? Are we going to be okay?
0: Oh, absolutely everything- not. <laughs> well, we're not going to be okay because because look, the GOP is out of control. And the Democrats still refuse. It's like – I say this a lot because it does – it's not even applicable to say that the Republicans are playing chess while the Democrats are playing checkers. It's like the Democrats are playing checkers and the Republicans are in a gunfight with us. Like that's the (laughs) difference in terms of the approach. And it's bananas. Like, you know, because right, you you were saying it I think in like a group text we were in or or whatever. But like – why why the democrats just won pretty convincingly why do the democrats need to learn from the results of this election why doesn't why don't the republicans have to learn from it right
1: yeah i mean that drives me everything the whole reaction of the whole like we're the only ones who are required to do any soul searching and and like the fact that we can't beat trump is our fault not the fault of all of the 70 million people who voted for him and and support him and enable him and it's like we have to, why aren't we reaching out to the heartland and we've lost the white working class? Well, like, I mean, the Republican Party has like lost every city in the country forever. Is that not a problem? That that doesn't matter? They don't have to bother themselves a little. Maybe they could moderate a couple positions to make themselves a little more competitive in urban areas. And maybe that would be useful for them. Maybe they might like to have a black person. God forbid. <laughs> their ballot for them once in a while that could be like a worthwhile goal like i don't even remember it's never even it's just like no that's the way it is but the democrats because of their elitist nonsense can't get the white working class and it's like i'm not saying the democrats are blameless like i do think we have a huge problem where the republicans are the party of the one percent and the democrats are kind of the party of like the merely affluent You know, and and I get where... And it's a problem. But, I mean, why are we the only ones who have to ever even think
0: about these things? I totally agree with you. And my solution to that is don't soul-search at all. I, I think, if you remember, I feel like the prevailing wisdom after Romney lost in 2012 was that the Republicans were in trouble because they were too small of a party and that they needed to broaden their horizons and, you know, especially have more outreach to Hispanic voters. And then... The reaction to that was then to nominate Donald Trump, who was actively hostile, not just against Hispanic voters, but Hispanic people, period. And they won and they had success with it. And I think that the big problem with the Democrats sometimes is that they're just phony and like lean into it, maybe rather than trying to grab that center right voter who might vote for you if you make your positions a little bit more conservative, but then probably won't vote for you anyway. Like rather than courting that, why not just like lean in and make AOC a more prominent voice and Ilhan Omar and the Bernie bros and black lives matter. Like stop worrying so much about like, what does this like middle barely 1% think of us and just like get your base riled up. Cause that's what the Republicans do. And they do it to great effect.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree. On the other hand, you know, you got to win. And like this election was so terrifying, like, and Biden won, you know, I mean, ultimately, like, we rejected, you know, in the primary, like, we ultimately rejected defund the police and Medicare for all and, and explicitly voted for the guy that that didn't do that. And did was that, you know, would Bernie have still won anyway, I think it's possible. Or was Biden the the absolute right choice and the perfect guy to, pee. you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I try to, I'm like more humble than most people I feel like on Twitter about what I now know about the electorate. I have no, I really, I find it very difficult to say like what I think would work or not like 70 million people voted for Donald Trump and are like, that's a good idea. I don't, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I do think I, I hear people say like the, the, the ethos that should guide progressive politics is keep it simple and take yes. credit. So like, Yes. Whenever you make a new policy, like make it really clear, easy to understand, and then let people know that you like, for instance, the, the idea that like $15 minimum wage won in Florida and we got our asses kicked in Florida all all up and down the ticket to me is such a failure. Like, that's our idea. It's voted in overwhelmingly. Like, people should people should associate that idea with the Democratic Party. We should take credit for it. So things like that. Um I think our, you know our, that's kind of the way to go.
0: I think you're 100% right, and we're going to close the radio show on that point. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we will be available for download on Saturday, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and we're available on YouTube. For those of you staying with us on the podcast, here comes bonus time. All right, Brian, we're now in bonus time. <laughs> Um, this
1: is where we unbuckle our pants and really. <laughs> <get comfortable.
0: laughs> no, I, I, you're you're totally right though, because yeah, there's like, uh, and I do think that you're right. Like, simplify the message, and that's actually why. Like, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know a whole lot about the, the you know the the finer details of Medicare for all, but what I like about it just simply as a democratic message is just how concise and simple it is. Like, I think that. The afford Obamacare is extremely popular for the people who use it. But, you know, when when you hear any Democrat talking about it, it's like, well, listen, here's what it's going to be. If you already have insurance and you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. If you don't like it and you make the. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what they end up doing. Also, The
1: part that people like is the Medicaid expansion, which is super simple. It's just like you get Medicaid. Right. If you are broke and people are like, yay, the part that everybody hates are the exchanges where there's like the silver, the bronze and the platinum plan. And you have to, it depends how much money you make or how much money you made the year before. And it's a nightmare. Precisely. And it's hell. Like that part everybody
0: hates. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's like, that's exactly why just Medicare for all. Easy, simple. What are we for? Medicare for all. Like, you right. know, everybody and I. Everybody
1: likes Medicare. Anybody can get it now. But, you know, there's a big, there's a, then a big debate within that over what does that mean? you can buy into it or does that mean there's no private insurance and like, yeah, which of those is the right way to go? I, I don't totally know myself.
0: Well, right. But that, um, that's exactly the kind of conversation Democrats have to avoid publicly. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. like that's, you know, there's a lot more complicated things than simply second amendment. Everybody have a gun. Like there's a lot more to it than that, but the Republicans never seem to get into any of that. It's just right. It, it, you know,
1: Republicans have it easy because they ultimately would rather not do anything. So Correct. that's always easy.
0: And they don't need to appeal to anyone but who they appeal to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they and they're they're always like, We're gonna stop things. We're stopping this. We're yeah. not gonna do this. We're gonna stop this from happening. And you know, that's much easier than saying we're going to solve a problem. It's just we're going to prevent something from happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except coronavirus. That they don't, they're not very good at preventing.
0: (laughs) We're going to prevent the prevention of coronavirus.
1: Ravage the country, and uh, we're about to have. Although we got a vaccine. We got a vaccine, Scott.
0: Yeah. That's good. Saved. It is good. Yeah.
1: That's genuinely good, you know?
0: When will we get to take the vaccine?
1: You know, it's going to be a while, but uh, we're going to have a really long winter. Um,. Where a lot of people are going to not no longer be with us, but then um, <laughs> we're going to have a spring, I guess. Probably spring or summer, it sounds like you know, you'll be sticking that needle in your butt and is moving it in on the with butt? your life. No, I don't know. Arm, oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> is that your preference? Wherever it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not steroids, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: um, well Brian, the next time Usually, we close on, on making predictions for the week, and we could do that, but I would also like for our audience to know that the next time they hear your voice, they will be hearing a man in his 40s.
1: That's true. The next time we speak, I will be 40 years old. I will be uh, unemployed, and I will be um, <laughs> uh, we'll have, The masters will have happened, so that's good. Yeah.
0: Um, and we're going to see each and- other.
1: We'll have seen each other. We'll have celebrated my my birthday, um, this passing, this l- momentous occasion. Um, I'm kind of for, you know, kind of good. You know, it's great. I, I You know, I'll, I'll tell the audience now, since I just hinted at it, that I did lose my job this very morning. Um, and I, right in front of turning 40, which is like a very, you know.
0: Uh, <laughs> Not the way you want per- to do it.
1: Perfectly, it's almost too perfectly timed uh, because it's funny I had felt very good about turning 40 because my when I turned 30 I remember feeling like very behind you know I was like oh god I'm 30 now and I'm a disgrace and then I was I was arriving at 40 with a wife and two children and uh you know thriving career and I felt I was like more settled so this feels like the right time for more massive upheaval right <laughs> <laughs> Once I actually hit the landmark now is when the real um you know soul searching begins the panic attacks and
0: Well maybe you could look at it as you know you felt behind going into your 30s but you actually you had a good you had a good run here in the 30s. Good run. Yeah. yeah. Right, We're things yeah. So you know maybe you'll not feel so great about turning 40 but you you know you have a good run there too.
1: It was good. I you know actually I will say this is kind of a rite of passage because I was not—I I didn't just get fired; I got laid off um, as part, and that's sort of like a mid—you know—midlife happening that'll happen to you when you work for a large company. But I, I will say I'll give my company credit; I won't name names, but uh, they, I was treated very well. Was sent off with a decent um, little severance package, and I felt it was like that was like, oh, I've arrived at this point in my career where it's civilized, where uh, you know, if you lose your job, it's like you know, you're treated with a certain like certain round of respect like yeah. uh they don't just cut you you know there's like a, a a little bit of a safety net attached to it it's kind of funny
0: yeah well that's we're good. still
1: firing you but we're gonna do it in a, in a more like gentlemanly fashion it's like okay all right i can deal with this all right <laughs> and i was like oh I've, I've reached that place you know like it's not golden parachute by any means but it was at right. least like A parachute. (laughs) right? Yeah, right. Right. They didn't just throw you out the plane. They didn't just throw me out the plane completely. Right. Right. Like, it's just, oh, okay. All right. This is dignified in its own way. (laughs) Uh, Although I did have, it was like Zoom call, you know, like up in the air style, like my boss and then a person I'd never met before, you know, and like, oh, (laughs) well, great to meet you this morning <laughs>
0: <laughs> like how, how did they you? how did they initiate the call they just called you or yeah i mean i
1: just got an invitation um you know for like calendar for now right like for like in 15 minutes <laughs> oh wow <laughs> like well this isn't good this isn't a good <laughs> right um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's funny i you know god bless her she did even say like nice to meet you and like um something like you know i know it's not under the best circumstances but it's always nice to see a new face <laughs> i'm like no, i don't know i could have right. i could have used without your face <laughs> I, i'm not thrilled with your face your face is not welcome actually <laughs> um but no it's fine um it's a new beginning i can now you know devote myself to this to our show here full time <laughs> yeah this is all i have well um and, you know, so send in those uh, Radio Free Brooklyn donations. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to just email them to me, that's fine. Right. They'll get to uh, the right
0: place. Right. <laughs> just
1: Venmo me. Venmo me. So that my children. No, I'm kidding. I really, I'm, I'm fine, everybody.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Uh, it's good.
1: I'm almost, you know, part of me was like, honestly, I mean, I won't get into some specifics, but part of me is like a little excited. It's like, hey, some time off. All right. Yeah. Yeah. i'll just enjoy thanksgiving and then i'll get back out there
0: all right well that's great that's a good that's a good perspective uh we're looking forward to seeing you guys uh didn't intend to tell my daughter we were coming up there and then nicole just did and she packed today <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's ready to go yeah she's ready she's excited oh good uh yeah
1: well we're gonna we'll toast to a new presidency and the 40 years and lots of lots to look for and a vaccine and yeah. maybe the end of the republic, and our pending civil war. So yeah. all these, <laughs> we'll start getting our ammunition together. Well, until then, Brian. Till then, a toast, everybody, and everyone. Keep uh, follow us on social media, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. We're doing lots of funny things. Scott is doing a great Mad Dog impression that I didn't even know you had in your arsenal.
0: Oh, thank you. Um,
1: it's very good. <laughs> thank yeah. you. I liked your mic as well, but I was, I was, your, your mad
0: dog was. I'm a more natural dog. I'm a right, more natural mad great. dog fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on several levels, I'm more natural, <laughs> naturally inclined to that, that impression, I think.
1: <laughs> it was great.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, we do have a lot of good stuff going on, uh, you know, and uh, we might even do some live content this week. We might be able to stream or something. This weekend, yeah,
1: you know, now that I don't, I'm not unemployed, we can
0: let's get let's get crazy. With yeah, it. let's um, you know <laughs> get wild. <laughs> All right, Brian, we'll see you All soon. Right.